Welcome to the Sourdough Podcast. We are your hosts, Jay and Ashley. We're coming to you from our log cabin studio, formerly known as our living room, on our farm here in western Montana. Lily Exciting. Keen. Hello. Hello. Right. Welcome. Hello. Um, so for today, we're speaking to our farm employee, Lily Keene. Um, <laughs> she's a young farmer trying to navigate the start of her career and determine what type of farming she would like to pursue. Uh, how does a young person take that leap to really get started in, in an infrastructure-heavy industry controlled by Mother Nature? And mm-hmm. so today, uh, just for some, a few updates, July was quite a month for us. It um, was a month. Yep. <laughs> it was the month that kept on not giving. Yeah. It gave quite a bit of produce, <laughs> but did. Lily had to harvest a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, which is great. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, we had two weddings, I think. Yep. Two family weddings. Well, one at the very end of June, one at the very start of August. So I guess that doesn't, uh, impact July in any way, yeah. but, um, it was the sandwich of, of July. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had friends and family visiting. Um, my appendix got removed all of a sudden. That Luckily was it didn't rupture. Exciting. <laughs> exciting. That was an exciting Wednesday. Two weeks of time, really. Put yeah. you down and out. Note to all farmers out there, if you are going to get your appendix removed, I suggest waiting until winter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it lets you wait, but... Unless um, you have a great farmhand that can just take care of it all. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Thanks, Lily, for stepping in and uh, taking over really all harvesting and all heavy lifting, which is basically all vegetables this time of year. Yeah. Totes of tomatoes, zucchinis, and Cucumber. cucumbers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I couldn't lift more than 10 pounds mm-hmm. as the doctor ordered um, for at least two weeks. And I was in quite a bit of pain. Luxury didn't rupture. Yeah. I'm um, really thankful for that. But yeah, uh, there was quite a bit of lifting to be had that I could not do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we listed our property. Yep. That's another our new farm update. Farm is for sale. Anybody who wants it, you can reach out to us. <laughs> beautiful just under 10 acres uh ready for you to come in and homestead or have a small farm of your own and uh greenhouses are negotiable so that's right (laughs) uh speaking of greenhouses we also uh acquired a new property for hopefully more greenhouses that we can put up um and that is why we actually are uh listing our or our property is currently listed is because we purchased uh, 27 acres of actual farmland um, with plenty of water, which I found out is really key for farming. Absolutely. <laughs> who knew? Yeah, who knew? <laughs> yep. Um, what else is happening? Um, really, it's just been the push of getting through like the summer bulk harvest and making sure everything is in order for fall. And we're in this weird kind of limbo where we're trying to figure out if we should keep planting to grow into the fall and early winter in case our current property doesn't sell or if we're going to just like call it quits a bit early once our CSA program's done and farmer's market season's done and just coast a little bit into the transition in our new property. So been doing a little bit of seeding, getting fall crops ready. So we have a little bit of something. Um, that's yeah. about it. Tarping at the new property. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the one thing that we are trying to not 
lose or let go of in transitioning the farm and moving to a new property is our garlic crop because we've been working really hard to expand it over the past few years and grow some really good garlic. So we're currently prepping the new land to kill off some of the beautiful grass that's growing there um, so that we can, at the very least, get a garlic crop in this winter or this fall, I mean. Yeah, I hope we can kill all the grass. Uh, I'm a little skeptical just because it's kind of um, entering the period where grasses really start to put a lot of their energy back down into their roots and they're more, they're becoming, getting ready to become dormant uh, for the winter. I've kind of have found at this farm the best way or best timing to kill just uh, native pasture is really in the springtime. Um, I guess our method has been to tarp it for a good month. Um, as soon as you see the grass starting to come in in the spring, for us that's usually in late March or early April, and we tarp it for like four to five weeks. And then we actually take the tarp off and let the grass pretend that it can grow again. Um, and either till it in, or you can power hair it if you have a power harrow, whatever. Uh, but then retarp it for another six weeks, and that pretty much killed the grass like completely for some brand new, uh, brand new plots that we had going. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool. I like in thinking about the new land we've acquired. It's it seems like a much less intense grass compared to the old pasture that we're currently on. Hmm. but maybe it, I don't know, maybe it's just because the grass is greener on the other side kind of thing, but... That that <laughs> land is definitely greener. It is. It's yeah. certainly greener. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. What do you mean by, like, more intense? Like, I felt like here we had just more variety in the types of grasses and weeds that were growing, mm-hmm. and over there it's like, it just looks like grass i mean there is some thistle but it looks like it would be easier to kill and get rid of it i don't know i don't know (laughs) well because there's there's some quack grass um Mm. over there and that's rhizomorphic Mm. and then there's thistle there's a few different varieties of thistle or species over there and that that's rhizomorphic i think that's the word right or rhizomus whatever is it oh rhizomal (laughs) rhizomal that might be it I'm not sure. Either way, what we're trying to describe is a plant that can send out shoots underneath the ground. And some of these grasses, they can actually like pierce thin steel. They're that intense. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so much pressure at that tip, um, that uh, underground tip that's kind of growing to the side of the mother plant and comes out, say, four inches or sometimes three feet Mm -hmm. away from that mother plant. So that's really hard to manage in a... uh, Especially a no-till system mm-hmm. if you aren't spraying with glyphosate. Yeah, but. which don't do. <laughs> um, well, I feel like the new property is so like, vast-looking compared to this one, too. I feel like it's like, oh, that just looks like all grass. But on this property, you could have a little bit more of a, like, you could see everything because it's just so so yeah. much smaller. Yeah. yeah so it yeah. might just be like optical illusion of the other property looking like all one thing. Probably. That's, that's probably <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll definitely have to mow a lot. Yeah. But yeah, we don't know what we're going to do with the new property yet to a full extent. Mm, <laughs> we yeah. know it's going to be a farm of some sort, <laughs> yes. but we're not quite sure. Yeah. We're certainly going to grow food for the community, um, whether it be a CSA or not. We're we're still up in the air on that next mm-hmm. year. 
it's just going to be such a big transition period. There isn't really any infrastructure on that new property. So zero, <laughs> zero. Yeah, not Besides even a, a house. house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's the pump house, which is kind of falling over, but yeah, it's, we, it's all we, we got live in that for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Set up shop. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So it'll be the season of transition, mm-hmm. which is great. We're so excited for the opportunity to have this space and to have the water and to have flat land, all the things that we've been lacking here to have topsoil that's Mm -hmm. not full of a ton of rocks uh so it'll be a really cool experience and hopefully lily will be part of it with us Um, and so why don't we dive in to you because today's conversation we'd love to uh, get to know a little bit more about your farm experiences so far in your young career and kind of where you're hoping to head so why don't you start with a little bit about your background, where you're from, and kind of your education, and where your passion or interest in farming even came from. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so I'm from Michigan originally, and did not grow up in a family in, in agriculture at all or anything. And it's funny now going home, just how much more I recognize about the agriculture in my hometown that I was just pretty blind to because it just wasn't part of my life. We didn't have gardens or anything growing up it was like yeah just wasn't a focus but I've always been a huge foodie and food lover so that's something I had going for me and then when I went away to school um I went to originally University of Kentucky which was a kind of weird move for me um but <laughs> in that stage of you know trying to figure out what to do when you're 18 and everybody's like figured out your life and I was like yeah no idea (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and when I went there I'd always had like an environmentally related degree focus but was still very like unsure of what that meant um and then I transferred to Santa Barbara City College out in California because I have family out there and went there for a year and a half to like stay on I stayed on track to like a four-year bachelor's degree and transferred to UC Davis, which huge ag school, but at the time they just had a major that I saw on the like SBCC transfer credit thing. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And it was sustainable environmental design and Davis and Berkeley were the only ones that had it. And I was like, I don't know the like atmosphere of intense academics at Berkeley. I don't know if I'm into that. (laughs) Who knows if I could have even gotten into Berkeley, but anyways, went to Davis sight unseen, like was just like I'm going That's there for it. that major <laughs> and so got to Davis and my apartment was right by the UC Davis student farm oh cool and so I'd pass it on my way to class and was just like wow like that's intriguing and one day they had like a little sign out that said they needed hands and I was like I'll just wander in there so that was kind of where it started for me I interned and then ended up working at the student farm for my time at Davis and I actually worked in the, it was called the ecological garden, which was, they had a market garden and an eco garden. So market gardens, more what we think of, of like production vegetables. Yeah. What we're doing right now. Um, and the eco garden was more like they called the experiential garden. That's where the kids programs would come through. It was very just like smaller scale garden size beds. Um, they also had a flower program kind of intertwined with that space, but that was my first intro to like anything like I remember my mind being so blown at the compost piles and like sticking the probe in there and how hot they would get I was just like I was so everything was so new to me and like that I felt like was the perfect place to like foster that 
wonder and amazement for mm-hmm. like everything that we do. Um, so I feel unbelievably grateful that my first intro wasn't anything like intense. It didn't have any pressure. It was just very open to experiencing mm-hmm. everything that goes into planting. I mean, we still did like seeding and every everything you do, harvesting and all the things, but it was just very laid back and I could ask all the millions of questions I had because I was also new. There wasn't yeah. like a business on the line. No. And yeah. pressure for that, right? Yeah, it was yeah. just very educational yeah. which is exactly what i needed at that time yeah. so exactly what a student garden should be yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah awesome. and it's cool now like obviously i look back and see the market garden now and i'm like oh i should have done that but <laughs> that's just because now i have such an appreciation for market gardening and that program has expanded so much and it's cool for me to see that there's so many kids going into the like having that experience in college of just like knowing how a csa runs like they're getting like really the full full gambit of how to run a market garden mm-hmm. during that four year yeah. time which I don't know as a young person in the farming world I'm constantly oscillating between like wanting to get my own thing started right away because I'm like I have so much time I could make mm-hmm. something amazing like if I start now it could right. be crazy in 20 years even <laughs> and then yeah. it's also like but I'm not quite ready to make that big leap so that's one thing I go back and forth on but yeah. Yeah, so I was working at the student farm, was getting my degree in sustainable environmental design, which was very interdisciplinary and kind of like hippy-dippy in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways, had a lot of the buzzwords that drew me in. And then once I was in it, it was really interesting, but it didn't have a lot of like, obviously in our society, I didn't feel like I had any like concrete marketable skills with it. I was Mm -hmm. a very like, I knew a little bit about a lot of different things and it was like, (laughs) oh boy. Um, And so I got a minor in geographic information systems, which is an online spatial mapping tool that is also very interdisciplinary. It's a really amazing tool. I'm not like a computery person in general. So it was like, (laughs) okay, this is something that can be a marketable skill on my resume. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, before, so I graduated college in 2020 so before covid hit i was like working up to graduating was planning on getting a job in gis because i was like i should probably do that i'm gonna this is like the freshest smart thing to yeah do. i was like that's the good thing to do <laughs> and it's like the freshest that skill's gonna be in my brain and it's not something that's like come super naturally to me so i was like okay that's what i'll do me and my friends had a whole plan for our spring break to like do this huge road trip around places to figure out where we might want to go and like see and mm-hmm. slowly our trip shrank and shrank so we were like well maybe we can go to just Oregon or because as COVID started becoming oh, yeah. more mm-hmm. real it was like oh 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 okay yeah that's not happening at all and so uh, during this time um it was like I was still able to work at the farm and while everything was just kind of crazy I mean my graduation was canceled like some lots of my finals were canceled like everything was just nuts and I was like okay the one like stable thing in my life is working at this farm that like I'm getting fresh vegetables I'm outside like Mm -hmm. and the rest of my life was online classes sitting at home and I was like I definitely am not giving that up like I want to find a job doing this like who knows how long this whole thing will last and so in a way like the pandemic really shifted my Mm -hmm. I knew I loved farming but I definitely was going to go along with the like what I 
thought I should be doing rather than what I just wanted to Mm. do. And then, yeah, it really made that switch for me of like, okay, I'm going to pursue farming once I graduate. Like, that's just what I want to do right yeah. now and then now i'm like okay well that's what i want to do forever yeah <laughs> how cool though that, that like that covid was the shift for you and because it was the same for jay like that was his impetus to be like okay this is the time like mm-hmm. what else am i going to do i'm not going to continue sitting inside trying to recruit people for the manufacturing industry when there's no no work. one hiring and no work mm-hmm. yeah. and just and that opportunity that opportunity to like for you it's so cool to like see that like okay well i could sit in an office at home working alone remotely or yeah. i can be outdoors in like this healthy environment growing food for myself and for people and contributing mm-hmm. in that way that's that's so cool yeah um i yeah. do feel extremely grateful like my COVID pandemic experience came with a lot of really great things, which I feel very lucky to mm-hmm. say, you know, I think for a lot of people, it was like the worst time of their life ever. And I can't say the same, which is yeah, I'm grateful for. Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I've heard a lot of stories like that too. It was yeah. really this driver kind of across America, maybe even the world where people just maybe were just fed up with what they were doing. Be like they had time to sit down and just, may not lament but probably lament at their jobs and just be like what in the hell am i doing there mm-hmm. like i need to figure out my yeah. life and who knows maybe in 10 years there's gonna be this whole economic boom of people actually being passionate about their work and like yeah. amazing things uh, coming and, out and yeah. actually pursuing it and yeah. like going for yeah. it because that can Absolutely. be the most challenging part yeah. of starting a business is just deciding when to start because mm-hmm. you're never going to be ready yeah no ever going to be ready to start a business and even if you convince yourself that you're not yeah. and that's okay like yeah. you just got to get through it and understand that each day there's gonna be a different problem like this morning <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we won't get into that but um yeah i guess my point's finished <laughs> <laughs> well that was something that made me so exciting excited to work with you two is just you're like gusto to be like we're gonna start a farm and a cafe and a podcast i was like <laughs> oh my gosh okay wow like i'm such a like i know i could get stuck in like the dreamer phase forever yeah. because mm-hmm. there's always more to learn so it's like well especially i mean i know with anything but i feel like with farming that's why i love it also is because it's kind of this endless puzzle you're never gonna quite figure out because oh it's yeah. so contextual it's like you could figure out how to grow tomatoes in this one place that season but it's gonna be different the next season even in that same place or you know it's just this endless puzzle and i think that's why i love it like i love that intrigue of it but it does make it also one of the things that i'm like okay i gotta get to i gotta know more before i can start one and then it's like but there's always going to be more <laughs> right. to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. Where is that education or knowledge cap where yeah. a farmer would feel so confident that they're like, all right, now's the time to yeah. start my own. Now's like, I one. don't know that it would ever happen. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've been saying good farmers get maybe 30, 35 chances at, mm-hmm. at their career. And that just has, you know, that correlates or is involved with the 35 years that they might be in working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a real challenge. So one of the things that I like to think about is you can wait all this time to figure out everything and then start your business. 
but you might forget all of those things that you learned 10 years ago. So mm-hmm. if you have a business that you can apply you, this information to or something you've as learned you go. as you go, yeah. you can immediately apply and see direct results pretty quickly. Totally. And learn that much more from it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think that's like something I've been thinking about too is like obviously you get scared that it's going to fail, but that's what you learn from mm-hmm. the most. You know, like just in general, I think when things don't go right, that's when you learn and grow the most like greenhouse too yeah (laughs) yeah well we've been having some nutritional issues all season long in greenhouse too it did have a good little rebound though it did lots of foliar spraying helped save them but they were kind of doomed to begin with yeah in fact though we did get quite a good cucumber harvest out of there yeah 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 yeah. but the tomatoes not so much no No. the slicers are i think the cherries are keeping up yeah i think there's like 30 pounds out of there today but yeah yeah, the slicers are just not wonky yeah Yeah. (laughs) go ahead oh i was gonna say it's cool though that you can like take this experience from working here with us and seeing all those applications like oh my god everything looks like shit in the greenhouse so what do we do yeah and it's like the benefit and bonus to you is like it's not your farm yeah so you're not like oh my god it's (laughs) my farm this is my livelihood absolutely Um, but like the advantage to you as a young farmer too is that you do get to see that experience and now you can take it with you and be like okay yeah i remember on fernco trying to figure out how to keep these tomatoes and cucumbers alive and make them not look like they're withering away into nothing (laughs) and this is what we did and then there's like the additional learning to that where you're farm you start or the next farm you work on it could be a totally different nutritional deficiency or disease that the plants absolutely but it's like at least that starting point of like okay here's where i begin let's try to identify what's going on let's figure out if we're going to foliar spray or fertigate or burn it down or whatever but it just makes me think about like how many of those opportunities do you learn while working for someone else before yeah. diving in yourself and like Jay suffered through all of this. Yeah. Bless your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just, I know. Thank you. You know, <laughs> thank you we've, for doing that. we've spent a lot of time trying to troubleshoot and figure things out. And I guess it's the same in any business that you begin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. But that's, I feel so grateful for that exact thing. Like I've worked on the, quite a few different farms in different places now and i just this just even seeing like even volunteering or just visiting farms like you learn so much from just observing and so Mm -hmm. then actually getting opportunities to work in different systems and under different management and like i feel way more equipped to start a farm after seeing so many different ones you know it's like Mm -hmm. i can't even imagine just going for it. It's very impressive. <laughs> but I do. Yeah. I think there's obviously pros and cons of both too, because mm-hmm. then it can be overwhelming. Like I've seen so many different systems and there's some that are bad and good. And then some that are good in some places, but not may not work in others. And right. so it's like, then fills your head with like more things to sift through or to yeah. give you pause. But overall I feel, yeah, that's been a huge part of my farming journey is just feeling very grateful to have seen and worked with and under a lot of different people <laughs> i didn't i didn't heed the call of uh my farm mentor when i was working in in massachusetts uh, my first year but what he told me um i was weeding some hawk one day and he just like came over and started putzing away and he was like so you really like farming huh 
And I was like, yeah, I really think like this could be my career. I'm not sure, but I think it could. And he was like, well, if I have some words of wisdom for you, the one thing would be is to work in as many different farms as you can before starting mm. your own. Mm-hmm. And we, like I said, I didn't really do that, but I think it kind of, you know, you're the an example of, of um, seeing all the different systems. Yeah. But I would, did want to kind of touch upon the farms you have worked at and yeah. maybe go into a little bit of a detail at the differences of operations, management, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, but first, I actually did have one question about UC Davis and that yeah. program. Yeah, yeah. So when you got started, that was pretty, it was a quite a new program. Was that the first year it got started or? At UC Davis? Yeah. No, the farm's been there for a long time. I meant the program, the uh, sustainable. Oh, the, um, yeah, my major, sustainable yeah. environmental design. Yeah, it was the fifth year. So okay. fresh in terms of. Academic standards. Yeah, <laughs> academic yeah. standards, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So what kind of things did you guys, what, like what were the classes like? What did you study for that? So I had like the history of landscape architecture, like green building materials, community participation in design, like a ecology classes. So we had a good mix of like, we were housed with like the landscape architecture department. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of like that vein of design and learning how to like draft out designs and like um, the artistic side of it and using the like online design programs and everything. And then oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I got a little taste of that with my major, obviously the landscape architecture students dive like heavily into those. We yeah. had like a quarter where we got like a crash course on like four of them where you're like, Holy cow, this is a lot. <laughs> so definitely got just like dipped my toes in that. But the reason why I was drawn to something more like, sustainable environmental design rather than landscape architecture was because it had this other element like my favorite class was the community participation in design and then that was really just focusing on how like so many designs of anything in our society are what the designer thinks someone else wants or needs without Mm. ever talking to them or Mm -hmm. like asking and like that's so many like spaces out in our cities and neighborhoods and everything that like someone will just be like oh i'm gonna put this park and bench here and then it never gets used because they never because no one's walking by it yeah like they they never asked or or like talked to anybody about what they need or want and that was just super important to me and was like a really cool thing that i was like i can bring that to any job i do anywhere Mm -hmm. and like just talking about talking to people about what they need and i think that was like kind of my main takeaway from college i'm like kind of one of those people that's like when I found farming, it was my junior year of college, and I was like, shit, why am I in college? <laughs> like, dang it. Um, but it's, like, little blips like that, and, like, obviously all the connections I made, like, college was very worth it, but... Um, it teaches you how to think, too, yeah, and how to research. I think that's a big... And how to uh, read research papers. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's a big part of any bachelor's degree. Totally. It, yeah. Well, and honestly, just, like, connecting with people and speaking to people and in front of people and just Mm -hmm. like not being afraid to to learn to be in a educational space to go to a library look for a book you know I think there's so many barriers to just like like seem like mundane barriers to gaining more knowledge where you're just like oh I just like don't need I don't even know what to do at the library you know like people be like go find a book at the library it's like I've never done that you know who's Dewey yeah like (laughs) (laughs) who's Dewey yeah yeah um so yeah I mean obviously college worth it yeah do it if you're if you can (laughs) (laughs) 
But also if you just want to start a farm. Yeah, but also. (laughs) (laughs) So this was more kind of focused on um, like sustainable design, but necessarily related to agriculture. No, it wasn't related to agriculture at all. So that was like I was able once I found the student farm to there was that was the nice thing. It was like my major had a lot of wiggle room. Yeah. But um, sometimes I was like, someone just tell me what the heck what class I need to take. Like, I was like, you can take, like, anything. And I was like, um... Can I? What the heck? <laughs> but then once I found agriculture, I was able to kind of start, like, gearing my projects towards... You know, like, I worked with a cloverleaf farm on a co-housing development they were trying to think about. It was kind of very much in the dreaming stages, but... They, just... like, grew clover leaves for sale or something? <laughs> no, that was just the name. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, just the name. Um, but, yeah, like, so it was cool that there would be projects that obviously they were like oh people who are interested in agriculture you you could have like some choice and like yeah. gear your your path kind of towards what you're interested in mm-hmm. so that was how i was able to that's great that's actually that's yeah. not common in in colleges mm-hmm. no it was like that for me but yeah yeah i felt yeah i feel very grateful for it i mean i like i said at times i was like someone just tell me what to do i don't know what yeah. the heck i'm doing but like when i look back on it having the ability to just kind of be pursuing what i was interested in was really a unique experience yeah i mean a lot of kids nowadays with such structured classes Mm -hmm. and lifestyles and everything they don't learn how to create and think and decide on their own oh yeah and then they get to college and all of a sudden you have this opportunity to do so some people do not do well in those situations and maybe never will and maybe that's like corporate life is a great career for them totally but well that's what i think of sometimes like the people who like kind of perpetually go to school forever you know like just keep getting more degrees because it's like you do have that structure of someone telling you what to do in a Mm -hmm. lot of senses like Mm -hmm. of just you take this and then you take this and you do this and it's like yep (laughs) if you are too afraid to like break out of that and go into the real world it's like yeah just right yeah (laughs) keep having guidance about that recently about how Gosh, okay. Can't remember what career specifically we were talking about, but we were thinking how people that spend their life in academia, they they don't really experience like real world situations. And we're thinking just about this concept of like, okay, well, what if say someone wants to become a chemical engineer professor? They have to go and work as a chemical engineer Mm -hmm. for a minimum of three years to gain that actual life experience that they can then bring back to the The institution. Yeah. 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 So they can be like, hey, when I worked, it was for three years only, but I experienced this and this and this and be able to like apply something that they went, learned how to do physically hands on yeah. and bring that back to their teachings rather than just what they've learned through books and in a lab. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And we're thinking about that applying to so many different things. Like even for me with a degree in environmental science in geology, like it was really all books. We went mm-hmm. on a few field trips. We actually came to Missoula <laughs> on a field trip, which is so <laughs> nice. crazy uh, to look at all the glacial evidence. Um, but aside from those little field trips here and there, like there wasn't any like, like we, we didn't get to go out to a mine site and learn how to manage a mining camp yeah. full of old 
nasty geologists and <laughs> miners and yeah. uh, whatever. Which is what Ashley did. Yeah, which is what I learned to do when I was 21. Yeah. <laughs> Taught myself because I was like, I didn't learn this in school. Okay. Yeah, here <laughs> Your self-defense 101. <laughs> no, yeah, my virgin. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> um, but yeah, I wonder like what our society would look like as a whole if education shifted in that way where people that are doing the teaching had to obtain like some some component of life experience and what they're then trying to share with others and maybe it would keep people and of course people need to be there teaching but maybe it would help keep too many people from getting sucked into just going back for more and more and more and more education Mm -hmm. rather than applying those skills to benefit communities totally maybe that's out there but well and i feel like it's one of those things too that you just as you get out into the world i feel like no matter how much school you do the real world experience is always going to be like whoa i didn't learn that i wasn't prepared for this you know like it's like dealing with like the human element the world like just like life yeah Yeah. it's just like a way different experience than any book or anything could Mm -hmm. prepare you for yeah just like the interactions and personalities you encounter Mm -hmm. when you're you're you become part of like a group dynamic in a work experience setting yeah rather than just like being the one preaching or sharing the information it's yeah university doesn't really prepare you for that totally so you worked at four season farm I did. You did. Yes. Last yeah. summer. Uh, for <laughs> that anybody was just else? last summer? Yeah. That, 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 that was just last summer? Yeah. Okay. So, cool. all right, you graduated UC Davis. We'll get back to four season. Okay, yeah. And so then you went to Seattle? Yeah. So then I worked on a 12-acre production, like, heavy production yep. veggie farm that I was, like, went from my, like, little experiential <laughs> garden experience and, like, knew I was, like, I'd, like, had a good work. Like, I was ready to, like level up like see yeah. what farming was all about but yeah so hopped into 12 acre production farm i graduated in june so i got home to michigan was like applying to stuff and then got a job outside of seattle so i started there end of july so like mid-season 12 yeah. acre production veggie Eight farm season. just like get on out <laughs> hopped there. in um which was really cool i mean i loved the hustle they needed some fresh energy i got kind of put on as an irrigation specialist with because of the i mean it's just a big kind of monotonous job i was just like a young like clueless was like yeah i will love a specialty fun yeah (laughs) (laughs) running around with hand line like running down these like blackberry bramble dunes to like start (laughs) gas pumps on the beach i was like whoa this is farming (laughs) this is crazy um and it is cool i feel like i did have some moments where i was like this is not what i was expecting Mm. but then even just the like simple thing of how every farm I get to, I'm like very intrigued by how their irrigation works. And when I think about having my own farm, like that's something in the forefront of my brain, like planning around irrigation mm-hmm. rather than trying to fit it in afterwards. And just yeah. like, so yeah, so that was, it was a cool thing to also hop into. Um, so I was there for that season and then I enjoyed that, but knew I wanted to kind of find something smaller the next season like mm-hmm. i was like okay that isn't a scale that i feel super passionate about and like you know there are some days where you're like harvesting radishes for like six hours and yeah. then, you know it's just like i was like okay like this is cool it like taught me a lot about efficiency and like mm-hmm. quality we had like some high quality grocery stores we were selling to so we had like really like our qc was 
high for oh, some boy. stuff and we had yeah like just to have that as my first like intro to that i feel yeah like i have a really high standard i like can work up to but then i also know how to like regulate between because it doesn't always have to be like that which mm-hmm. yeah obviously learn more about that's good yeah because that's all over the place across farms yeah. quality mm-hmm. control is like absolutely i mean you know we're dealing with with things that can kill people right <laughs> like yeah. this is food perishable and goods perishable yeah goods right you know there's e coli poisoning that happens all the time yeah um yeah so it's definitely something that people yeah. should be paying more attention to mm-hmm. that you don't always see across farms totally that was yeah it was like even just like our wash and pack area like I just got to learn at a place that was like high efficiency, very like organic certified, very like intense about all their note keeping and everything. So like got a good, like high standard to work from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that was great. Had like a wonderful team. That was also like, I had wonderful people at the student farm at Davis too. And then got to this farm and it was just like, I remember showing up and being obviously nervous. Like I was just nervous and walking into this farm and the crew it was like this whole crew of like, because I'm five one, so the whole crew was like gals that were like five, like under five five, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. Small people. That's yeah. fun. <laughs> I was like, and just like so woman dominated. I was like, oh, because mm-hmm. I just didn't know what to expect. I mean, the two managers were male, and so those were the two I interviewed with, and I was just like, right, like. Who knows what the makeup of this crew is going to be like. And then it was just like this great group of wonderful gals, um, which was cool. Which is pretty common, actually, across the country now. Absolutely. There's more women getting into farming, more young women than men. Very female dominated. I've had at every farm, it's been female dominated that I've worked at, which Which is very interesting. It is. Like what? Just naturally. I I know. It's happening. And I'm like, what's going on? What are guys like? You're missing out. (laughs) Right? (laughs) What are you guys doing? Yeah. 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 It's like, this stuff is sick. Yeah. Um, okay, so you were at yeah. Harvest Radish for like six hours. Like there was a lot of monotonous days. Yeah, there. there was just yeah, we just had a huge harvest of big orders for wholesale accounts, and mm. it was just. It was also, I don't know if we want to go into like all the management styles and everything. It was an interesting... oh, we'll get into that for <laughs> yeah, sure, but we like, can start now. Yeah, we don't have to do it right now, but um, we'll never get to my Four Seasons Farm. I can yeah. say a lot about all the things <laughs> I've been. Um, but yeah, so it was just I'm trying to think what size our crew was, but it was a big, probably like ten. I was gonna say, yeah, that's like an acre each. Yeah, it was responsible for essentially big. Yeah, that's a lot. Big crew and long days. I mean, it was yeah, like never eight hour days yeah. ever. You know, <laughs> it was just like, and that was the standard, and that was fine. Um, and the manager there, I feel like, kind of had a almost like a gatekeeper of skills and some, like he was kind of very particular and like to get stuff done and would overwork the crap out of himself, like trying to do everything in terms of like tractor work and just different like Mm. seedings and plantings. And like if more people would have gotten trained on the BCS, like he wouldn't have to do it all the time, you know, like just different things like that, that I think in the moment, since I was so new to agriculture, I didn't know as much because even just, like i was still like blown away by like that we so many people eat radishes it's like this is a staple crop of like of farming yeah <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> the hell? yeah right. and just getting used to like yeah how things grew how to harvest things like i was just 
all of that was all encompassing to me learning curve yeah so i feel like i wasn't even like super aware of like the other higher level skills i wasn't receiving um and that came a little bit later because i worked somewhere else and then returned to that farm um yeah so the following season i went started at a different farm Mm -hmm. as a crew lead and it was a small two acre market garden production Mm -hmm. and um super cool it was like the farm owner farm manager and myself they were two men and then we had a crew of like there was a mix of like full and part-time so like five ish people total but it just kind of depended and they all had zero farm experience so i was very new like (laughs) in terms of like that was a first leadership role and i'm still very like new in agriculture but i felt ready for that like uh, even after my short time like i knew like similar to you like i think you kind of are like oh okay this is something that i want to do like you kind of i feel like even on cruise you can tell like the people that you're like you're probably not going to be a farmer for a long time for, for the long haul. Um, and not in a bad way. It's just like there's a certain certain craziness you gotta yeah. <laughs> got to have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was a crazy experience, like transition into like different scale and being in a leadership role mm-hmm. and part of a management team. And I don't know, I could go into that ton, but it was when I ended up quitting that farm. I'll come back to that. <laughs> um, and returned to the 12 acre production farm because it was they were both outside of seattle and it was kind of just i knew they would always have me back like they obviously appreciated my work mm-hmm. ethic and everything so i knew that was somewhere i could go and they were having a rough season and so i was able to return back to there and i feel like with that added experience is when i started feeling more recognizing that managerial style of being like just let like just teach let me, me how it. to do it yeah. so that you can chill <laughs> you know what do you like, think that is like what do you think is is holding somebody back from letting another person take over parts of their job i think and i've experienced this in different ways because this the 12 acre production i should say was a non-profit that had mm-hmm. a lot of different things going on so this wasn't like a family farm type of thing it was like non-profit with a lot of money and all kinds of things and i think there's a mix of reasons that I've experienced, I experienced a similar thing on a farm that was like a a family farm type of thing. And I feel like they seem like different reasons in some ways, but um, I think pride can be a thing, but I think it's, well, I think pride in your work and like, I even have moments of like, like, I I know I can just do that faster than that. You like on cruise of being like, oh, I'll just go do it because I can like, do that faster or better or whatever. Or like I don't have to explain it. Yeah, like mm-hmm. just the extra energy to like get someone downloaded on something is yeah. is hard. And that's like what I've found. Like the human element of farming is by far the hardest part, you know, yeah. of like working with other humans in this like space that stretches you thin and you know, all of, I <laughs> mean every I'm sure balls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> every job <laughs> does that. But we're out here in all weather and inclement conditions and hot long days and all the things but um yeah I don't know I think it is as I've experienced it being on the other side of being managed by people that have that kind of like gatekeeper or like won't let go of some things mm-hmm. it's like a huge thing that I'm like okay I will never do that you know moving mm-hmm. forward like that's like what I've loved about working under different management styles of being like like I've learned so much of what I wouldn't do mm-hmm. and I feel so <laughs> grateful, you know, like I've learned way more of what I wouldn't do than what I would do. 
Um, and that's like, I've, I have also like loved everywhere I've worked and like appreciate ever, even the places that I've left, like I've learned so much and like really appreciate all the people. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of just like not being able to let go and if it's like your farm and your money, like I get that, like there feels like there's a lot at stake mm-hmm. and it's just hard to see past that, like the initial training time or whatever it's like i need to just get we just need to get this done because yeah like it just has (laughs) to be done now when like you can just like take a step back and see what a farm looks like with like a well-trained like non-specialized team like Mm -hmm. i think it's good to have specializations Mm -hmm. i feel like that's important but having like a very baseline level that everybody knows how to do everything at Mm -hmm. least you know like to a certain extent that you know, if you have one person that does one thing and then something happens to them and nobody else knows how to do it, it's like, that seems crazy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I do have thoughts on that. Like what keeps, or if you've had feelings as a manager of like not wanting to let me do things. (laughs) Uh, No. So whenever I come up to that situation where I'm feeling that way, I just remember that the quicker you learn how to do that and get proficient in it, the less I have to do that. Yeah. And that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Me, yeah. Right? And that's like totally. the essence of a manager is mm-hmm. you really want to kind of train yourself out of your own position. Yeah. So yeah. you can focus on other things like focus on business development, focus on marketing, focus on starting a podcast. Starting yeah. a podcast <laughs> yeah. et cetera. Totally. I mean, you've been facing this a bit with, in uh, the cafe. Yeah, absolutely. What are, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. Well, I think it comes down to control. I think people in kind of like you said, like there's mm-hmm. pride in owning your business. There's also that stress factor of the finances being about you like it's your livelihood and people don't start a business if they're not good at what they do and so there's always going to be that element of like yeah you probably are the best at it if you started the business and probably none of your employees will do it as good or better in all areas Mm -hmm. um but i think also part of being a good business owner is being able to let go of that and well or making a choice like do I want to be in these shoes forever or do I want to oversee my business that is running and successful and making money even if I'm not there? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's like a balance because maybe some people do want to be the one doing all that farming forever. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't actually want someone to take over for them or do most of the work. Mm -hmm. So there's finding that balance. But yeah, and what I've experienced at the cafe, you said something, Lily, that actually made me think, about our model at the cafe and it is a pretty well-rounded crew Mm -hmm. everyone kind of knows how to do a little bit of everything and everyone helps each other out so that we can fill in for each other yeah except for in the bakery and that's been our biggest challenge for a long time i was the only one yeah. in there that knew how to do all the sourdough baking and, and our whole sucked. business was hinged upon the success of the bakery it was yes. and that was kind of our achilles heel in a way it was yeah and it was like we were reaching a like point, talk about like, burnout well, yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> i was like either we're going to shut down and i quit or like we need to find someone with these skills which yeah. is really hard to do because it's a specialty totally um but we did find that person 
thank God. And she's amazing. Mm -hmm. But we have still had that situation where when she's sick or has to have a day off or takes her vacation, which she's so entitled to because she works so hard. Totally. All of a sudden it's like, well, shit, I'm the only one still that can go fill in. And all of a sudden I'm back in the bakery being pulled away from like management of the restaurant or getting to be part of the farm or getting to work on our podcast and everything else. Um, but for, for me in my experience with like managing the restaurant, which is brand new to me, I've managed things in the past, but Mm -hmm. never a restaurant. Um, I reached a point where I was like, if I don't start to let go of things and trust my employees to do it, like I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. It's like, yeah, maybe I'll do it better or quicker, Mm -hmm. but I don't have time to be doing it at all. All, Yeah. (laughs) All the time. So it's just finding that balance of like, Hey, what can I let go of? What things do I need to keep in my control? Things like financing, things like scheduling, things Mm -hmm. like filling in for sick employees. I'm like, okay, that's something that I need to keep in my control for now mm-hmm. but what can i let go of well trusting our employees to restock things to let us know when they're low on items to manage the kitchen so that i just don't have to go in yeah and we're down there i should say we i'm down to only having to go in there two days a week now unless someone calls in sick and that's a really cool transition to have gone through over the past yeah, year absolutely um, but there was certainly a point in time where i was like I'm the only one that can do all of this. <laughs> yeah. And I had a really hard time when we first opened, even just delegating initially. Cause I was like, I don't know what I need you guys to <laughs> do. Like, I, I know, just do it. I know the outcome. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There was a bit of that. Like you just need to n- do it. Like you yeah. need to know this and do it without me having to teach you and tell you. Yeah. Or like get out. <laughs> well, and that's what I feel like that's probably a place that a lot of people get to is they don't get help before they've gotten to a point where they're so overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and it's like then you can't you're like i just need someone to be able to come and do it now Mm -hmm. like you're past the point of having the energy to train and everything you know and i think that probably is what happens to people too is you wait too long to yeah. ask for help you and know <laughs> 10 years later they're still having problems with keeping employees mm-hmm. there yeah because they're nitpicking and not letting people take charge and, and yeah leading on things and learning yeah. like and honestly yeah. probably having to work a lot harder than they need oh, to for absolutely. the same financial outcome totally yeah. yeah i like to always look at numbers or mm-hmm. think of problems in the terms of numbers and uh an example of the the situation we're just talking about is say your revenue is $100 an hour. And yeah, you could be in there working 70 hours a week in the beginning and you could be profiting $30 an hour and you're paying yourself $30 an hour. And that's great. But you hire this person to do that job and you pay them say $18 an hour and sure you might not be you might be making only $12 an hour, or $10 an hour, but now you've freed up all of your time to then focus on an additional $100 of an hour in revenue. Mm-hmm. And that's how you build sustainability in businesses. Yeah. Is if you aren't able and ready to let go of certain aspects of your business, like you're not going to build a team. Yeah. Because it's just going to be yourself and maybe your loved one. And yeah. that's about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And that gets exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. That for sure gets exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, honey. Love you. <laughs> Four Season Farm. Should we talk about your experience yeah, the next step in your farming journey so yeah i went i was in another season and 
outside of Seattle where I did yeah. the crew lead and then went back to the other farm and then the following summer I was out at Four Seasons, which was last summer. Yeah. And what is, you know, people who are in farming probably know who <laughs> or what farm that is, but can you just give me a little background on on that farm? Yeah, so Four Seasons Farm is run by the Coleman family family. Elliot Coleman's like kind of the big name start of the organic agriculture movement back in the day and he just um yeah like kind of really part of that back to the lander time and his daughter claire coleman has taken over the farm and he's like 84 now so yeah. and he was still out there doing all of our tractor work last year like nice. we we're like elliot you need to chill dude you did it yeah. um but yeah so it's just this little two acre production in Harborside, Maine, which is like three hours north of Portland, Maine, yeah. coastal, really small. Middle of nowhere. Yeah, middle of nowhere, like 40 minutes to the nearest, like, small, small town. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's crazy. The, I mean, we would gross, like, thousands of dollars in the two hours that our farm stand was open on Saturdays. And, and who who was coming? Like, so they there wasn't a market as far as residents there, right? There were some, like, locals that come but yeah it was a lot of people just coming to see the the place and yeah. visiting and then um yeah i mean it was wild i like was still it blew my mind like every time when i was just like there's just people traveling here and obviously there's people with like vacation homes out in that area too yeah, and yeah. like a well it was definitely a wealthier population that was able to Cause our produce was expensive for that farm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's out in the middle of nowhere. You gotta, you don't have like, it's gotta be, yeah, priced to what works for the population. But we were only open two hours, so it was like, yeah, it was very a, condensed marketing. Yeah, super yeah. condensed. It was crazy. Um, I had never experienced something like that, and it, that was an interesting like working for like a big name. You know, like a popular name like mm -hmm. yeah. he was a pop star yeah like the famous <laughs> the famous farmer yeah um which was also like a very interesting experience because you like i had read a bunch of his books like i with that experience too i don't know if you want me to if you want to ask yeah, yeah. like more leading questions but i can go into all the things but just yeah talk away whatever yeah. you want to talk about <laughs> okay. yeah. um because going into that season i was very much at the point of like okay, I want to be in a managerial role because I was briefly the crew lead at that farm outside of Seattle and then that didn't work out, but I still felt like I'm like ready for that type of position but yep. could still lot have a lot to learn. Like I was like, I'm able to be on crews because I do know that I have a lot to learn. But going into last season or last summer, when I was looking for jobs, I was like, I either want to be in a managerial position or if I'm going to be on a crew again, I want there to be enterprises that I haven't dealt with before. Like I, not that I've figured out veggies, but like I want like flowers or animals or something else to like, because I did, I had gotten to the point where I had known enough and like been at a lot of places that management seemed to frustrate me more, you know? And I was like, okay, I think I have a lot of ideas and I want, to be in charge you know like you just kind of get to that point where you're like i'm ready yeah i'm ready to do this so that was kind of where i was at and then when i saw the posting for four season farm the way it's set up um right now is they have this manager training cycle that goes on but they really gear it towards couples just with how isolated the property is and hiring um for the housing they have on site like 
couples work best to be the managers there. That's interesting. Yeah, like they like say that in the thing, like huh. couple. So that was a a hard because I was like, okay, that would be more what I'd be looking for is the like. You gotta find a boyfriend. <laughs> I, know, I, know. I was like, crap. <laughs> <laughs> to go run a farm out in Maine. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, that's okay. Like, I'll still apply to the crew position. Like, this is still a really cool opportunity. I would love to go learn from the Coleman's and just, like, see all of that. Mm-hmm. And so it was that is, I think, just important context that I've had to – because it ended up being a frustrating experience for me. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of that, me, like – going back on what I knew I wanted for the season just to, cause they just have vegetables. And yeah. so it was going into being a crew member on a solely veggie farm. Right. And that was something I was not wanting to yeah, do. Yeah. Kind of just back into the same yeah. thing you had already But done. I was like, but I'm going to be learning from these like legends. Like, right. This'll be awesome. Um, not to say that it wasn't, I'll obviously keep going into it, but so I get out there and the manager training model has a really cool idea, but a really difficult thing to execute. I think so. There's, Managers that start um, with the crew in May, I got there, or they they get there in April, and then the crew gets Mm -hmm. there in May. And so you arrive with, there's six people total. It was me and one other crew member, and then a couple that were the managers in training, Mm -hmm. and then a couple that had been there for a whole season already that were going to be training the new managers. And they're just, so they spent that first year or first six months of that year being the managers in training yeah. under another young farm couple. <laughs> Important noises for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's just kind of this cycle of young farmers, training young farmers and getting, so you get the season with them and then you take over in the fall mm-hmm. and have the winter alone to figure out like, winter farming they obviously it's four season farm they farm all winter long they've heated greenhouses and do the whole thing and so then you're there alone for the winter after your training and then all of a sudden you have this whole crew arrive for the spring and you are there to like guide and manage and do all the things and so for me as a crew member but also someone with a lot of like experience i had probably similar or more experienced than the managers in training above me mm-hmm. and similar experience to the managers in charge. And mm-hmm. so right away I was like, Oh boy, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this might be frustrating. And Clara and Elliot were both less involved than I was expecting. And so that was the hard thing is cause I chose it to learn from experienced farmers mm, when it was actually yeah. this like hierarchy yeah. of a lot of young farmers, yeah. which was like, a really cool experience and like i said it's a really cool idea like to have it's a that mentorship program in a way right yeah yeah to just like have that space for young people to really i mean they just like hand you the farm and have at it. yeah you just like go for it and obviously there's like goals you're trying to like maintain and yeah. everything but it's very much like you're the one who's the direct contact for all the restaurants now you're the mm. and that just shifts every year to the new managers like interesting this constant which i think is difficult for also businesses like there was the farmer <laughs> the managers while i was there they're like oh yeah they still call us last year's managers names like yeah that's whatever you know like yeah, it's like when it transitions that quickly <laughs> yeah it's just yeah. like that's this, really interesting yeah that's that interesting whole concept, concept. I, I wonder too if it comes 
from a place of like retention, like wanting to keep employees. And so I wonder for the Coleman's if they're like, well, if we provide this opportunity where you get to come in to learn how to be a manager and then be a manager for the year Mm -hmm. and then train the next people to then become the manager. Yeah. What then happens to those people once they've trained? So once you've finished, you're like, so you're full as the manager, you're there for a year and a half. Six months of it is on the crew being trained and then a year doing the whole thing. Yeah. And um, so then once you're done with the year and a half, you move on. To a new farm. Yeah. There's like, kicking like, out. Yeah, it's time yeah. for you to go. Don't and start a farm next so, to us. <laughs> it's yeah. really, it, it really seems like it's an education type program. Like they want to teach people how to manage a farm, deal with those wholesale accounts, deal with. Yeah. Communication and coordination, totally. which is, it's really interesting. I'm kind of like mind blown by that. Cause I'm like, gosh, that just sounds like could be chaos. Well, and I, it was in a way, like, I think part of it of like, oh yeah, that sounds like a cool teaching thing, but no one was like, Elliot's like was around and would just kind of like pop in. Yeah. Put her by on the tractor and be like, you put those in too late. And you're like, well, that would have been nice to know. <laughs> yeah, like he was just a, obviously lovely, but not like a active mm-hmm. present. You know, like I think I was expecting to show up and like have my first day of work, like have Elliot and Clara be there, like this kind of thing. And like I barely like feel like I met Clara for you know, like mm. it was just this a very different experience. And I think part of that program was like an ability to step away you know like mm. Elliot's obviously needs to be <laughs> needs to be done and I think Clara's tra- <laughs> he's out he's out <laughs> not for any other reason than he should just take a break on and for yeah, himself he's been out for like 50 years yeah 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 um I know I loved it I was like so wanted to have a he doesn't believe in soil tests and I was like ah oh. and he's like the proof is in the pudding and I'm like, well, I know. Yes. yes, we're growing great vegetables, but I just want to know. Yeah. And he <laughs> might be the on? exception. That's a that's not really something that I have, you should be telling new farmers. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, oh, okay, Elliot, how many times did you fail them in your early In the early time. Early time. Mm. Totally. It's like, yeah, you might have gotten to that point, and a lot of farmers do, where yeah. they just don't, they just know how much extra calcium based on the soil. But mm-hmm. like, Well, that was, I think, for me, an interesting of just being like, oh, like, I don't need to learn from because there were a lot of ways that he was kind of like stuck in his ways, Mm -hmm. you know, or like in this point, like he's obviously done a very successful thing and is like, yep, this is how you do it. But there are so many young farmers innovating across the industry, like just nonstop, like the industry has changed a lot in Mm -hmm. the past 50 years. And so obviously he changed as it went too. But I think um, for me, it was a good reminder that like, like so much experience doesn't necessarily mean that like they have all the answers you know like all the best yeah like all the best things and so i was like um yeah just being like okay i was going to like learn from like the the wise ones Mm. but it's like that can be a a a quality of any age person in farming if you're Mm. you know i think constantly improving and educating yourself i think that's kind of the main thing that i learned is like i want to work for people who are constantly being open-minded and learning like mm-hmm. people who are wanting to improve upon things and just learn. Mm-hmm. Um, just having that understanding that they don't know everything. 
that they will never know everything mm-hmm. and that if you don't pursue that with this insatiable appetite that you might be missing out on opportunities for whatever outcome mm-hmm. yeah. really in a way yeah absolutely well and i wonder too if with a farm like elliot coleman's like how many years did it take to get to this particular point where mm-hmm. he's like yeah i can just let anyone manage it once they've learned from our managers trained by the managers how to manage <laughs> yeah. and it'll be fine it'll be okay yeah we'll sell out because people love this concept people know me people know me <laughs> yeah. people know what i've done but like how many years did it take to get there it seems like that's maybe uh um, unrealistic goal for a new farmer to set up and be like, I'm building an Elliot Coleman farm. Yeah. And then one year in, they're like, I didn't take the soil samples because I did everything he said and yeah. nothing's growing. Yeah, the pudding isn't doing anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that was like a big thing too for me is just like, I want to be very open to, I don't know, like people who are willing to be like questioned or challenged too. And I think, that was a funny thing too there is like he Elliot had his way and Clara had her way and they were very different <laughs> and like there was literally one one day it was our first market of the season so this was just like brand new we're all like nervous and all the things and something happened and it all froze that night all the produce in the walk-in oh, oh, yeah no. and so we're like panic mode in the morning like I wander over because I wasn't working market like with my tea and like cozy clothes on just like let's watch setup and then i was like oh my gosh and i was like went and changed and was like harvesting salad like we were like oh my gosh okay we gotta like go and elliot comes over and he's like just give it all away for free sorry that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> and clara was like absolutely not like we gotta like just try it was just like very different ways to go about things and mm-hmm. that was kind of with every different thing and so for these managers mm-hmm. in training and managers mm-hmm. managing for the first time if you were seeking advice, you'd get two opposite answers all the time. Make your own decision. Yeah. And then you have to make your own decision or like take the like ridicule from one or the other when it's done the way that they didn't say. Um, So yeah, I mean, that was also just a interesting, like, of course, like family dynamics combined with a business, like Mm -hmm. just complicated, Mm -hmm. you know, that's farming for you. Yeah. It's like couples, family, you know, like anything, it's like adds that the human element. It's just like the the psychology of it. Yeah. The extra complicated thing. Um, so yeah, for me, I knew when I was there, I was a pain in the ass for the managers, but, and now in what ways? Well, just cause I was like, why are we doing this this way? What's this? Why are we like, I was like, but, uh, and now I'm getting it because the managers and training that I worked with last summer are in charge this summer and I talked to them and they're having like a really rough time just figuring out they're like everybody wants to know how to do everything we're just trying to figure out how to manage you know like (laughs) there's so much going on like with just taking over a business and having Mm -hmm. to also train managers and then also have a crew you know like it's it's too much yeah it's a lot of layers to put on someone yeah and these particular two like farmed in Hawaii and then moved to Maine like so they had a very different like so this is their first like actual full, you know, it's a lot going on to yeah. um, just do, which is like another piece of like, wow, it's cool that they're just like, yeah, come do this. Come, come leave this farm. It. And like, I'm sure like, even though it may feel hard right now, they're going to like walk away with this with like a 
way more understanding than they even like realize right now yeah. of like yeah. how much they've been able to learn by just getting like thrown in the deep end yeah right. that's how it kind of felt there is like you just kind of yeah. get tossed in and i think for me like when i say i was a pain in the ass like i wanted like to know the like nitty-gritty of everything because like mm-hmm. that's where i was at in my farming yeah. process and they just like we're just trying to figure out how to do all the things. And they're like, can you just yeah. not yeah, shut up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like for me too, like I was like, I feel like we need to have like morning meetings. Like we need to have check, like just from working at other farms that had like management systems that yeah, were structure. very, yeah. Like mm-hmm. they weren't even thinking at that level. Like they were just trying to like make sure that everything was getting grown, you know, <laughs> like right? and that the yeah, business yeah, was yeah. like running. And like, yeah. I was like, why are we meeting? Why aren't you checking in with all of us? Why? And like, yeah. It was great. I mean, we all ended up, like, being great friends, too. Like, as I've found with all my farm experiences, it attracts really lovely people. So Mm -hmm. you're, like, bound to have um, wonderful connections. But, yeah, it was a really, really hard thing to – I had to, like – I actually ended up, like, farming barefoot all summer because I, like, needed a physical thing to, like, slow myself down. And, like (laughs) – Like, because I was just, like – I'm going to like spontaneously combust if I don't just like take a step back and like kind of return to like not everything. Cause I also had just worked in environments like that were very like go, go, go. And I like that. Like I love mm-hmm. the hustle of farming. Like I love to just like when I yeah, went from the 12 acre scale to a smaller scale, I was like, I want to work at that 12 acre pace at a small it's scale a and just like. <laughs> kill it it. yeah and so like that's where i came in and they were very like chill like just didn't want to like which was totally fine and i'm very grateful for it now too to like i think it is important to find a balance because i can also see my mentality of farmer i think it's a common one of people who end up like sticking with it but can lead to burnout if you're Mm -hmm. just like a hardcore go 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 go, go, go. yeah and so it's like taking that time to like go a little slower remember like why we do this you know like for me i was like out in maine far from like friends family everybody it was like a big i was yeah a lot of things and i was had a lot of personal time we lived on the farm worked with the same six people there were six of us that's like it you know and it was just like a very Very isolated yeah yeah Yeah. isolated thing and so it was a good like just kind of mental check of like okay why do I do this work? Like, where can I bring in like that chill energy? Like what tasks require the like gusto and oomph and like Mm -hmm. that craziness, Mm -hmm. but what things can you like mix in to not do that all the time for both yourself and your crew? I think that's Mm -hmm. for me too, as I'm in that space of feeling like I could manage or be on a crew, I constantly am like thinking about how I would manage off of how I've been managed and like, like okay not everyone responds like i do to like all right let's go let's move you know like Mm -hmm. and i'm like okay i need to find a way to like appeal to a variety of yeah yeah. a variety of people like i'm gonna have a diverse crew someday i want to be able to like ignite that fire in different ways for people right find the person that's really happy weeding all day long (laughs) because they love the repetition of that task versus the person more like you that's like no i need like multiple tasks a list to check off things to get done so i know they're done (laughs) yeah totally and farming is not all farming a lot of times is about going and 
and getting the job done quick because we have a very limited time window. Yeah. And sometimes a seed can get in or it needs to get in the ground that day mm-hmm. and that's that's it. Yeah. Right. Um, but there are also parts of the of the farming um uh farming practices where you have to slow down. Mm-hmm. And that well like what for example, what would you consider that you have to slow down in farming? Like what what practices or what situations would you feel like you have to slow down and maybe take a closer look um i mean i think in terms of like even just within like harvesting different things like there's some crops that are so nuanced and take different amounts of like okay is that ready like waiting to see um shoulders of a crop or just like paying attention to soil conditions or weather conditions of like okay we need that was something also at the farms outside of Seattle, they had flood. Mm. It was on an oxbow and would flood every season. So there were a couple of times we had to like get in there, pull all of our storage, got like big Just flood prep days, you know? And so that was like a hustle thing. But I think a big piece of that, that it like reminded me is like being very in tune with like a lot of things, like a lot of different things go into farming. And so I think just in general, making sure you're taking the time to like, do take those extra five minutes in the morning to look at the weather for the day in the week. Mm-hmm. Like even like that kind of slowdown of just mm-hmm. being like in tune with what's happening and even just like checking in with yourself and where you're at, you know, it's like, I think that overall, like, I guess I avoided your like specific task question, no, but no, no, that's, <laughs> well, the weather is a great example. Well, yeah, I think just like that understanding, like the context in which you're growing, which includes, you and what's happening in the world right now and what's happening in you know when we have like wildfires going on and all different things and like when rain's gonna come how our well ran out we didn't have irrigation like how Mm -hmm. you have to like take an extra step back to be like okay how am i gonna like we have low water how am i really gonna prioritize what needs water and be like yeah okay i did a field walk earlier this week before that knowledge like even though i don't want to do a second field walk i need to go reprioritize like with Mm -hmm. this new thing in mind and i think taking the extra time to just really make sure you're working in the context of life (laughs) all those little intricate decisions that happen every single day in a farm you don't forecast at the beginning of the farming season Mm -hmm. and that's one of the examples of why you're never going to be ready (laughs) to farm you just gotta Mm -hmm. hop on in yeah is because all those little decisions, you're not going to be ready to make the decision until you have the context in place. Yeah. And for example, we, Ashley and I, and our great friend Kristen, we mm. did an overnight float um, Saturday yeah. into Sunday this past week, but we saw Hurricane Hillary coming. Uh, potentially. Uh, potentially yeah. coming up <laughs> and spewing one to two inches of rain up here. And we were looking at our onion crop and... It was getting pretty ready, and we were debating whether we should wait until after uh, the rain or before the rain. And then we made we slowed down, and we made the the game time decision just to get it done on Sunday before the rains come. And I'm glad we did. Yeah, absolutely. Because now we have you know 1,200 pounds of onions mm-hmm. curing in our greenhouse, and some of, like we could have had a 20 to 40 percent loss if we left all of those mm-hmm. in the, the field. Rain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if it, you know, if you weren't paying attention to those specific scenarios in the context, you might lose yeah. right. out on the situation after spending 140 days growing the crop. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, I think about 
tomatoes too when when you were asking about like slowing down and like in uh trellising tomatoes especially it's like so often there is in farming it's like the task you just like it is easy to so quickly get through things but when it comes to tomatoes if i love pruning and trellising tomatoes but if you go too quickly through them you can miss things like clipping right underneath a, a trellis, trellis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and then next thing you know so it's like yay you worked super quickly and got the task done yeah. but now all the tomatoes have been knocked off because the wind blew through the greenhouse yeah totally and that cluster um, off. so it's like yeah. little things like that too deciding like okay all these radish look ready that's great i can like pull them up in bunches put an elastic round and we're out of here yeah it's quick but now that we're in the greenhouse with the tomatoes we're going to slow down a little bit and like have some intricacy to where we're placing our clips yeah Yeah. absolutely i think that's like such a weeding thing too like i'm one of those people i like love weeding and like the intricacies that go into weeding and i feel like at some farms like when i first started i got so caught up in the like my gosh people are going so fast like i need to go fast and Mm -hmm. it's like but that's one thing you build that skill like weeding is a skill and it's important that you don't just take out a whole line of crops going ripping through it or leave a bunch of weeds ripping through it and Mm -hmm. have to come back because you're actually not saving any time then no you're actually extending it yeah Yeah. and so i think that's a big thing for me is just like those tasks like sometimes weeding is one of those things that you can just be like okay i'm just gonna rip through this but then like i'll have to like remind myself like if you want to just do this once like do it right (laughs) but that's also what i love about farming is like I'm constantly trying to improve. Like, obviously, I'm constantly trying to do it faster, but at that same quality, yeah. you know? And so I think that's, like, that's fun for me <laughs> to, like, fun. keep right. trying to improve on that and be thorough and efficient. But, um, yeah, I feel like weeding is a huge thing where, like, if you're using, like, a wire hoe through, like, tiny baby plants, like, take your be time. Careful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, take your time and get it done. Yeah. Or else all your dill's gone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also think when I asked that question, mm-hmm. I was thinking about um, uh, understand if you're going so fast just through your farm and maybe you're on your your side by side and you're like, yep, that looks good. Like, oh, oh that mm. radish crop looks good, but you're not actually getting down and yeah, going through that row. And maybe there's a nutritional deficiency that's happening in your tomatoes that you don't realize yet. Totally. Maybe there's an infestation of aphids on your totsoy and you yeah. don't realize that yet. And if you don't slow down and just do those walks, you're not going to realize what's yeah. going on. And and there are times of the season where if you don't apply the right fertilizers, like we saw in Greenhouse 2, mm-hmm. or we didn't manage that properly, that you're not going to get a successful crop out of that. And you spent totally. an entire season. You built a $15,000 structure and you don't get good returns on it because you went too fast. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. totally. So moral of the yeah. story, I suppose, is to... Go fast and slow at the same time. Yeah. I know I feel like you guys are dealing with that even with the new property already of like, okay, we want to start something here, like to make use of this, but we don't have a full plan of where everything should go yet. Like sorry. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> um but yeah, like that's like the same like rhythm of like, okay, we wanna be efficient and make use of this, but like wanting to really like this is gonna be a long term thing hopefully like you yeah. want this to be a place that like works and down the road you want to be like oh why is there a field here yeah, you know yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, need, we need to move all the crops yeah <laughs> exactly 
Um, all right. So did you get any uh, time growing in the winter at Four Seasons Farm? I didn't. So yeah, crew members would leave in the fall. Okay. And so it was just that couple who had been in training that take over and are yeah. there for the winter. Do you want to grow in the winter? I am not sold on it. I yeah. think it's like one of those things. Um, <laughs> I know the couple who is working out there and worked through this winter. They were like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, yeah. That is just not worth it. And I think a lot of it too, like there's propane, high propane costs mm-hmm. out there to heat those greenhouses. And like the return isn't quite meeting it. And so it's like, what's the point? Why trudge through? Like this work is already hard and it's already like a lot. And then to not give yourself that off season break mm-hmm. and be doing it in a way where you're trudging through snow, like even colder than, you know, like washing produce, it's freezing fingers. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's like putting this extra stress, but I do see the like intrigue if you can. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you can do it in a way that makes sense in the context that you're in, yeah. you know, like it just might not be the place out there. And like, even here in Montana, you know, it's like in these harsh winter climates, it is, it's hard to say if it'll be worth it. Right. And then I think worth it in terms of like money wise, you like, mm-hmm. if you could even break even with like the costs to just keep everything thawed (laughs) you know like even uh, installing frost freeze and just different things like that you know should probably have those anyway here for Mm -hmm. fall and spring (laughs) (laughs) um but i think then i do like the part of me that's like but to get people like fresh vegetables in those like dark gloomy seasons Mm -hmm. that like when your access to like good nutrients is like lower mm-hmm. i'm like that's where i like get drawn back to it of like mm-hmm. that would be really cool so to find a way that i can do it just like i don't know maybe in a smaller scale or just figuring out a way and i know like there's a lot of like unheated winter growing going on with like the use of many layers of remay and all mm-hmm. the things and mm-hmm. so it's possible to do it in ways that aren't so expensive i think but then just the element of having to physically yeah physically be working all year round doing this like hard physical job is like i do think it'd be good for us to have a break (laughs) and there might be other ways to get that nutrient dense food in the winter time without Mm -hmm. actually harvesting it fresh in the winter and specifically for greens for example you know, you can ferment greens, mm-hmm. right? So you can ferment. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't ferment like spinach and lettuce per se, but I would ferment Napa cabbage, which yeah. is mustard. Mm-hmm. I would ferment um, uh, the brassicas. Yeah. Um, and you can like freeze spinach. You can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. If things. it's about like that nutrition. Yeah. Acquisition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just having different flavors throughout yeah. the. But yeah. yeah. Can um, you rotate the microphone just a little bit towards your mouth? Sometimes you're, yeah, like this? that. That's okay. perfect. Okay. Much better. Better. Yeah. It's like coming in and out. <laughs> okay, sorry. It's okay. It's sorry, right. I'll just keep whacking my mic stand <laughs> over go. here. <laughs> just checking it. Talking with my hands. <laughs> um, okay, so we we got, we didn't get super ready. We did this today. But we sat down, Ashley and me, and kind of have a few questions we just want to ask you because you're a young farmer in yeah. the industry and mm-hmm. you have a few years under your belt now and kind of seems like you're still trying to figure out 
your path in this industry and where you yeah. want to go and what you want to do with your own career. Absolutely. So <laughs> for young farmers getting into the industry or hoping to, what information have you found to be difficult to access or, or what information do you wish you had found as you got started? Ooh. I know. I feel like I feel very grateful for just, I think my start being at Davis and being in a educational sphere, I had like that boost into the ag world that was very like education and resource focused. Mm -hmm. And, um, I would just say, the hardest thing to gain is just the, like, when I started, I was like, how, how long is this thing in the ground? You know, like just the information that you just need to give by doing this more. Yeah. And so I would like, I feel like my biggest encouragement to young farmers is to not get intimidated by not knowing things. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. that's like the biggest barrier and like how I, I felt in myself, like, an embarrassment or like a just like hmm. being on crews that have people who know a ton about a certain thing or even just had like a plant degree so they know more about plant biology yeah just like yeah. yeah i'm like and i when i first started i was like oh my gosh like i'm so slow at this or like i didn't even know that that was like a vegetable or that's how that grows you know like having just like these insecurities of being like uncomfortable hmm. being in a not knowing space and yeah. i think a big thing is just like being comfortable not knowing yeah. because it just takes time and experience, especially with something so like physical and tactile and contextual as farming. Like you just need to do it. And I think for me too, like I even the first couple years, like I would be out in the fields all day long, like listening to podcasts all day. I would go home, read farm books. Like I had like this super intense drive to like learn and even after now a couple more years of just doing it i have i still have that drive but in a way like i've learned so much by just doing mm -hmm. i can like be more selective like i feel like i was just trying to take in everything. anything mm -hmm. and everything and now i'm like at a point where i can you know like listen to a podcast here and there and be like a really focused subject or like something that's like very you know, makes sense for like the time of season that I'm in or a crop that I'm working mm. with, you know, like, and just, it's funny for me to have that transition from all of the not being very uncomfortable, not knowing. And now I'm like, there's so much, I don't know that like, <laughs> the more, you know, the more you realize. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, it's okay. And yeah. so, yeah, I think gaining access to just the farm knowledge, I used to be very frustrated that I like didn't just know like how long carrots were in the ground or like I didn't just know like there were these things I was like why am I not picking up on this even like in my first season and then now I'm like well duh Lily like you don't just like <laughs> I don't know learn everything at once. yeah especially when you're not the one in charge of like seeding you know like my first season like I never seeded you know like I was never like in that mm -hmm. position where you like get to experience like this goes into the ground now. Like I was only ever harvesting things, you know, like I yeah, didn't even know when that it. got seeded mm. or planted. And or so, right? yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Why it was seeded when it was and how long it was going totally. to take before you could transplant and then again, harvest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or like the specific variety that it was before mm -hmm. that certain time of year or whatever. And so I think overall that's like the stuff that feels hard to access when you start because it feels like this thing that like you maybe like, or I don't know, even I guess 
I don't want to even in- intimidate new farmers. If you're not thinking about that, good. Like, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> yeah, just like if you're not worried about that stuff, that's a good way to be too. Like, it'll come if you just like mm-hmm. stick with it. Now, what about what about things like fertilization and mm-hmm. when to? Yeah. You know, did you did you learn that in school? Did you learn no. that even on farms? No, I mean, I feel like, like I think I've told you this season. Like, this has been. Another reason why I've loved working for so many different farmers is because farming is so interdisciplinary and like you meet a lot of people with different backgrounds and all different things. And there'll be farmers that like really have a knack for like this one thing of farming or like really love this one like element of it that you Mm -hmm. can like learn from someone who's so passionate about this one thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with you this season, it's been that like amending and fertilizing and like the chemistry of different things that like other farmers I've worked for, like that hasn't been a focus at all. Like they yeah. probably have been amending and stuff, but it wasn't something that they preferred. I, or yeah, like I was a about. part of or like just in that realm. And so I think, yeah, that's been a big thing for me this season of like, whoa, like another whole thing that I was like, I don't know about any of this. Like I know yeah. it's important and like I want to know it, but that's just been really cool to learn more about because yeah. I really have not. Yeah. yeah, it's been fun for me to learn, too, because it's, yeah. you know, for me, it's still every day. I, I mean, even when I do apply fertilization or amendments with soil tests, I still get it wrong. I'm yeah. Right. Like, what the fuck did I just do? <laughs> yeah, right? yeah so, totally. Um, well, that's like one of the farms, out, the one that I was the crew lead on, like we would dump crab meal, feather meal, like we had blood meal, like all these different things. And I was just like... Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, if, you, if you say so. <laughs> um, so yeah, it is nice to be in a space where, and I think too, like working here as like the only crew member, and like I get to be very like part of that experience with you. Like I'm right. not removed from it. Like on the twelve mm-hmm. acre farm, like that isn't something that the crew needs to be knowing about or doing mm-hmm. or being a part of. Like yeah. that is. I think it is important to know that for like new farmers too of like big crews might be good to start out with because you're not supposed to be a part of some of the like more like high yeah intricate like farm knowledge yeah management let's make sure we make some money yeah like you don't have to like even have that on your mind and that can Mm -hmm. be frustrating too and you're like i don't feel like i'm a part of big decisions or Mm -hmm. whatever and like that's when I returned the second year I had more after I had gotten some experience I was like oh yeah I don't know if this scale is the right thing for me mm-hmm. you know like I want to be more intimately involved with everything that's yeah, going on and not just like you know we're at a 12 mm-hmm. acre you way out in the field while so many other things are going on like there's people doing so many different tasks and things are getting done so that's like through my journey too. like the smaller scale that's something the intimate crew size that's something I really appreciate because you can have such like good dialogue about just the crazy intricacies mm-hmm. of different parts of farming. Yeah. yeah. The good and the bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've had, we've talked about situations where there was not necessarily micromanaging, but management where they didn't let you uh, kind of take charge of certain mm-hmm. aspects of the um, operations. And then of course in four season farm where you were, just thrown into the gauntlet and just have mm-hmm. at have at it type mentality uh with Elliot and uh Susie Clara Clara thank you <laughs> with Clara um 
are have there been other ex, like uh, management experiences uh, in your career so far where you realized that you just couldn't be a part of that situation anymore and kind of what happened? Yeah, so I have left two farms so far in my experience, which like is a weird thing. Like both of them were very hard for like I it feels like quitting is like you're being a quitter. Like I'm like, I'm mm. not a quitter. I'm not giving mm. up on this. And both of them I feel very good about. Like I think I had good reasoning for. And so the one was the where I was the crew lead outside of Seattle. So mm. it was that small crew. It was the farm owner, farm manager and myself and then our crew of non-experienced farmers and so it was a lot there were a lot of elements in it but like I loved that position of being like I loved getting there early I loved doing field walks I loved writing the board like the managerial tasks that I had I was like this is what I've been looking for like I love knowing the behind the scenes of what's going on Mm -hmm. um and a big reason why that one didn't work out is because the farm owner and the farm manager hadn't figured out their dynamic Mm. um and so there was a lot of tension there and they had different ideas on how things should go. And it created this just like constant um, struggle at work for me to be in the space of the manager being like, oh, I don't know if I am going to like stay here. Like this kind of back and forth. Like I'm going to leave the farm. Yeah. Thing. Like or like I would like like this might not be working out. Like maybe I should quit. And I'm like, and telling you this, yeah, telling me. And also I'm like a very new farmer Mm -hmm. still and like loved the managerial tasks that I had taken on, but there's so much that I didn't know, you know, like I was like, you can't do, yeah, like you can't do that. Like (laughs) I don't know this stuff yet. Like I need, like, I just remember one day, like, cause I had just been like getting trained on the BCS and like, we were trying to figure out our schedules to like kind of shift. So that it would be like covered all week long but that he wouldn't be there some days when I was working the manager and so mm-hmm. I was like at first I was like yeah like I can do that I can do that then I had like a breakdown one day and I was like but what if something like what if the BCS breaks down and I don't know how to fix it and then these beds don't get prepped that are supposed to get prepped on the days and he was like oh my gosh like no like I don't want you to be like nerd we had a great dynamic like overall and this one is actually a really cool experience because I had at one point <laughs> had to like sit them like asked for a meeting with the owner and the manager and was like, we all need to sit down and like write out like what our, what we think our jobs are on the farm (laughs) because with their discrepancies and like not figuring out what their role was, a lot was falling on me. Mm. Like I was just taking on like a lot of different things Mm. and I was like, I either need to be getting paid way more (laughs) or, you know, or we just need to like think about like what our roles are on this farm. Cause I think that was something that was just not figured out. And the owner was a presence that was in and out. Like he would come in, he would like scrawl out our seed list on like a napkin and like give it to like, it was like (laughs) madness. And so there was like a lot of freedom in some ways. And then he would come in and be a little bit like, why is this like this or why is this like this? And it's like, you're not here. Uh, Like, don't. Yeah. And it was like a frustrating dynamic that obviously the manager was like very frustrated with as Mm -hmm. well. So I had this like gathering with them of like, okay, we need to figure out our roles. And it was obviously like very intimidating, but I'm so grateful for it. Like that I had gotten to the point where I was at a point where I was like, I need this to happen. You know, like I need to confront this situation. And so we had kind of 
worked through a little bit or like had some meetings and talked about things, but there just was not change happening. And a big thing for me, the farm owner had bought new property. So this is a, a tale for you guys today. Yes. <laughs> this morning. And was, well, I guess it's, it's different, but he was trying to develop that property while he was like trying to like too hard to start developing something else before this thing had been like fully developed, fully developed mm-hmm. or like running mm-hmm. smoothly. Mm-hmm. I was like, this isn't going well. So you can't be like trying to do something else, you know? And like my big, adv- I was like, he had never retained employees mm. and he was taking on these things. And I was like, I can't work for like this kind of scatteredness. And like you need, before you do take on that next project, need to keep people mm-hmm. like right who's gonna work there you yeah. know like what you have these big aspirations yeah like i was one person's not gonna be able to do it all totally and so for me it was like got to that point where i was like this is not working for me the tumultuous like day-to-day of not knowing if the manager was gonna stay or go also being the one just like doing everything trying to i was learning things and teaching that you know like just yeah. being a young farming which honestly i learned so much mm-hmm. and from that experience like i was another time just like thrown into the deep end <laughs> a little bit um and so i ended up leaving that farm and it's been really cool i have a good relationship with both the manager and owner and the owner texted me i think it was last season was like we're like retaining our crew like there's people <laughs> coming back and like just like for me to know that he had like listen to you. yeah he'd like kind of heard what i said like it was impactful for him to have me leave mm-hmm. like he knew he was losing a good employee and he was like okay like this i need to me. yeah i need to make some changes and so that w- that felt really good overall like it was a good choice for me i think it was a good choice for him and his business mm-hmm. like i was like okay this feels really good that leads us into maybe the the next farm um that you left and this was maybe a little more recently mm-hmm. um but maybe they're i'm not sure if they're in a position where they kind of feel like this was impetus to change or not maybe they are feeling that way but uh and you don't have to go into details of course mm-hmm. um of who they are and, and what happened necessarily but what kind of managerial style and what was kind of happening there that caused you to leave yeah so the next one I was hired on as an experienced farmhand. Mm -hmm. And so that was something I was looking for again was like something different than just being on a crew. Like I know that I have the skills and should be paid more than a crew level. Like I can take on responsibilities. Like I'm ready to manage a farm. So if I'm not going to be managing, like I definitely am able to be trusted to do a lot on a farm (laughs) you know like (laughs) i have been farming now for a while and even though well not a while it's been a short amount of time but i feel like with my like love for farming i feel like i've made a lot of progress yeah yeah. a lot of progress Mm -hmm. in a short amount of time and like just know i've gained a lot of confidence in like my value as a farmer yeah absolutely and so at that one that was a good position for me i was like okay an experienced farmhand like that is fitting for me sounds like me yeah (laughs) i was like i am (laughs) and i want to take on responsibility there was opportunity to kind of they have a couple different like a bunch of different enterprises that you could kind of choose a couple to make like your specialty or something for the season like i was like okay yeah like this is perfect there's more enterprises than i've dealt with before there were flowers and like a larger scale chicken production and they're bringing on mushrooms and i was like 
this is all the things I've been Sorry. looking for. Yeah, yeah. like experience. It was the, the best pay in the area that I had mm-hmm. experienced. And I was like, okay, this is like a good fit for me. And so as that season started to get going, there were a lot of situations where I felt very micromanaged in terms of just very like mundane, simple farm tasks, like things that I, you know, like rolling out Remay or something like that to feel micromanaged during that. I was like, wait, why are you hiring experienced farmhands if you can't trust them to even do something like that? Yeah. And so it kind of was like a buildup of more and more things like this. And I started really doubting my value as a farmer again. Mm. Like I was like, okay, if I'm not being trusted to do like even the simplest of things, like what? What are my skills? Like yeah. what do I have to offer? <laughs> well, yeah, it was just like, it was a weird like brain thing for me. Cause I was like, I know I'm a good farmer, but like, what are they seeing in me that is mm. making this so like hard to trust me with anything, you mm. know? And it was like a very uncomfortable space to to be in and um so the main thing with that was just the like micromanagement as well as like there was this feeling of they were extremely overworked because they weren't letting go of tasks and so then they would come with a bit of what felt like resentment sometimes when all I wanted to do was help you know like I was like but then I would take the brunt of kind of some like Passive aggressive. Yeah, like some passive regret, like not getting any break or rest or whatever. And I was like, well, but you're not letting me help you. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know? could break yeah. and I'll take over. Take a day <laughs> off. I'll do yeah. it all. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the really hard thing for me is like I came into that season like really gung-ho. Like I knew their goal was to get more time away from the farm. Like they've been doing it for a while. And I was like, that is my goal too. Like I want you guys to have a weekend. Like yeah. as your crew, like um, let's do it. Yeah. You know, like I was very like on that on their side like i was like this is the perfect situation i want to take on responsibilities you guys want to be able to step back like all the things great yeah and so (laughs) it was kind of that what we were talking about earlier was just the like not being able to let go and i did find out by a a close person to them that people had quit every year Mm -hmm. and that was something i didn't know about and for me that was like a huge sign like Cause when I was having these feelings of like, okay, I don't think this is right for me. Like I am probably going to quit. And then I found out that information and was like, cause I was okay, like, okay, it's not just you. Yeah. Like I was like, I might quit, but like maybe we'll be able to talk about it and it could get fixed. Mm-hmm. And when I found out that this had been kind of a reoccurring thing for a lot of years now yeah. and things hadn't changed, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I have the mental, I also dealt with a pretty big, like, family scared during that time and like my mental capacity to like hope that they would change was like very low low, you know and i think it was hard for them when i put in my two weeks that they felt like i didn't give them an opportunity to change Mm. and i think a big thing for me was like but all the other people who quit were opportunities to change Mm -hmm. you know like it's not on you yeah it's like i had to keep reminding myself that it's like not my problem you know and that's externalizing the responsibility yeah that's an important aspect or maybe a point we should make is that managerial styles can dictate the confidence levels of your employees absolutely 
huge. Yeah. Like if you don't have employees that feel confident in their job and they're always questioning what they're doing, they're not going to be focusing on what they're doing. They'll be focusing yeah. on if they're doing it right. Yeah. Right. And if they're questioning it because you put that pressure on them to make them feel like they're not doing it well enough or not doing enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. That is hard. Yeah. Well, but it was another like huge learning opportunity again for me. Mm-hmm. Like I feel very grateful for all of these experiences because it was really like, whoa, okay. Cause in terms of like their burnout, it was what I was talking about earlier is it felt like they had gotten so burnt out. They couldn't do that. Like the training time of letting things be not mm-hmm. done quite right yeah. by other people mm-hmm. so that they could get over that hump. And I was just like, okay, I will never let myself get to that point before I get help. You know, like before I let people help, (laughs) you know, before I get help. (laughs) Yeah. Like before I hire people. And I think Mm -hmm. a big thing with that operation too, is they invested a lot in infrastructure. And I think for me, I was like, okay, I feel like as a farmer, I mean, you don't have a lot of money to work with. You got to pick and choose where you're putting it. Mm -hmm. And the hu- the people hiring people is a huge expense yep. infrastructure is a huge expense it is and i feel like it seemed like if there's a choice between those two i want to skew mine towards people first mm-hmm. you know like i want those people that are going to return so that i can invest in infrastructure that i know mm-hmm. will have employees yeah. you know right. like i think yeah. that's like if you build out this beautiful farm and all these things and have all of the like best equipment and all the things but like no one to work there like it's just for show yeah (laughs) and it's like but if you build out a crew that returns every year you don't even need the you know like if you i mean you you do eventually yes (laughs) (laughs) but like that i think throughout all of my farm experiences has just like reiterated to me like employee retention will be Mm -hmm. my focus like first you know yeah i think that's a really good point, but I do, I want to push back on that a little mm-hmm. bit. I, I do feel like infrastructure is also an important aspect yeah. of it. And I'm, and I know you agree with that, but you know, say you invest all of your money into infrastructure and no money into people, you're not going to, it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. If you invest yeah. all your money into people and there's no infrastructure, <laughs> the people are going to be sick and tired of yeah. <laughs> washing radishes out in the sun <laughs> totally. and you won't retain them. <laughs> yes. So there, there must balance. be a happy balance, a balance. between them, those mm-hmm. two, right? Yeah. Because working conditions in farms are far-reaching. Mm-hmm. You know, there's amazing working conditions, and there's conditions that you would be appalled by. Absolutely, for sure. So, having that right balance, and it's not just those two aspects of farming that dictate a no. successful farm. Yeah, um, but those are definitely two of the main pillars. Well, and mm-hmm. they're just, I feel like, two of the big expenses. You know, they yeah, they are the two most. Yeah, expensive. they are the things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, do you have any other questions? Well, just on that topic, I was thinking about um, like longevity and farming. Mm-hmm. And I think an important part, too, is taking down time. Yeah. And so we were talking a bit about like the winter farming and whether or not you would want to pursue that. And like yeah. we've pretty much decided we don't want to like no. maybe growing in our greenhouse into November, December sounds yeah. pretty good. We can supply the cafe with greens. That's great. Mm-hmm. Maybe a few other things. But 
I don't know. I do think there's an importance in being able to take downtime and sure during peak farm season, it can be really hard. And we always try to promote like taking little bits of time off, even if it's like, okay, I get a three hour period where I don't have to switch irrigation. We're going to go to the river and take a nap. Yeah. yeah. Like that's self care. That's really important. And I think it does help with longevity because you're Absolutely. giving yourself that break. But I think taking winters off, like even if it's two months, like mm-hmm. school teachers do it. Yeah. Doctors, nurses, surgeons, they all get paid vacation. <laughs> Maybe not two full months. It'd but be like, great if we had doc- doctor's salaries. Right? Yeah. Hey, I mean... <laughs> You know, maybe maybe nutrition through vegetables is the future yes. of healthcare, and maybe it should be more of a consideration when you think <laughs> about the um, pay for farm employees and what owners of farms can actually make. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we've talked about this this uh, uh, phenomenon where the people that. He, that heal you when you have disease or you have an issue with your body get paid an insane amount of money mm-hmm. but the people that produce the stuff that will keep you from going to that person in the first place don't get paid mm-hmm. enough oh absolutely and yeah. if we could redistribute at least some amount of that money towards or maybe uh focus or have um emphasis on the people that do protect you from disease mm-hmm. like why should why shouldn't they have be paid more? Yeah, but then big farmers. I know. Would then they wouldn't get any business. Whole other podcast episode. Yes, <laughs> but anyway, point being, I do think it's really important for farmers to get breaks. Like we are all so deserving of that time off in the winter. Yeah. Um, or in the spring, if you're a winter farmer or whenever it is, like having that downtime, and I think we see that in this community, especially with the people that farm really hard spring through late fall and then they're like all right this is our time like we're gonna go to the desert we're gonna do this we're gonna do that we're gonna spend some time reading books and researching about new farming methods and trees and whatever else and it just i think it goes a long way in like mental health for farmers yeah and just personal self-care and like farming is really fucking hard mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. farmers don't take care of themselves. Like we're not going to have a next generation to farm our food. Absolutely. And then what? Then yeah. we have to eat fake then, well, meat we'll made in a lab and vegetables again. from, <laughs> that I don't even know. Lab grown veggies. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the next big industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah hydroponics. There's no nutrients in them, but they look pretty. They look yeah, great. But cool. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's constantly like, how do I do this sustainably for mind and body mm-hmm. for, you know, like being so young and finding the thing that I like, I feel so grateful. I've found something I'm so passionate about and love, but I'm like, how do I do this forever? Mm-hmm. You know, cause it's a lot on it your is. body mm-hmm. and on your mind. If you're not, it can be a super isolating profession. Like I've talked about some of the farms I worked on. They're like isolated out in the middle of nowhere, or you just have this crazy busy schedule all summer and can't hang out with anybody. Yeah. And like, I think that's a huge piece of it for me that I'm like, okay, I, especially being in my 20s, I'm like, that's a big thing why I haven't taken the plunge, I feel like, to be like, okay, I'm just going to start. I'm like, okay, I don't know how to do that yet, and I'm not ready to give up, like, my social life. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not quite there yet. That's fair. Yeah. And so I think it's a funny thing, just, yeah, how do we do this? And I'm super intrigued by, like, 
cooperative models for that reason. Like mm. if you could find people to work with that collect. Cause I also get stuck with like, I want to do flowers and seed production and vegetables and animals and mushrooms. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I want to do it all. And I'm like, Lily, you know, that, that you need a big crew. Yeah. You need a big, a lot of people to do that. And I'm like, okay, well if there's a cooperative of farms where there's like all these different things going on that you can be a part of and like, near and know how to do and step in if you need to Mm -hmm. but not directly the pinpoint person Mm -hmm. for that all for all of them all the time and then also having this like diverse crew of people who are very versatile and you can each you know say it's like this congregation of like couples and like each couple can take a couple weeks off each summer you know like two weeks off right sounds yeah like can you imagine you know like but you'd like Obviously, it would be a lot of work for the others while that mm-hmm. chunk is gone because there's like two whole, you know, lots of two whole work weeks of people and like things. But like, to or be you able just to, put that into your schedule. Yeah, like to just yeah. have that time to like, I don't know. I just don't. I would never pursue this alone. You know, like it's just one of those things. I know n- too. Like, I will never yeah. do it alone. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't because, do it. Yeah, it's uh, like I don't even know how you mm-hmm. made it. Th- how you're still doing it after doing it don't. alone. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a lot of support from my great wife but it's been a challenge for sure yeah there are days i mean when you were in the cafe last year i mean there was weeks would go by where i was the only person farming Mm -hmm. yeah he literally texted me being like i'm so lonely (laughs) when are you gonna be (laughs) home i need to talk to i need to talk to someone (laughs) just having plants aren't full conversations with the dogs exactly yeah it's getting hard yeah well it has been almost two hours so I feel like we should wrap it up. Sounds good. Guys so feel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah. I could probably talk for two more hours about all the farming. Right. So we'll, we'll yeah. just do it again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, all right. until next time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course. <laughs> Everybody welcome. should farm. That's get into right. farming. Don't yeah. be scared. <laughs> just End go of for the it. story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Just get into farming. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Easy. We're all so right. happy. Adios. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends and family. It really just takes a couple of seconds. You can also leave us a review. We appreciate all forms of feedback. Certainly helps us to keep our egos in check. And if you appreciate our work and want to help us succeed, please consider contributing financially. You can do this by visiting patreon.com backslash the sourdough. That's patreon.com backslash the sour D-O-E. You can also follow us on Instagram at sourdough.mt.